Hello and welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a Northside numbers game, a weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Thank you for spending time with me today. I know there are a lot of choices out there. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. Please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever it is you find your podcasts. If you've done that, thank you so much. Maybe share an episode with a friend. Just a few seconds will help me get better and help others find the show. I'd love to know what you want to know about Cubs baseball. Welcome into episode 20. It's been quite a week for Cubs fans. The Cubs got out of the gates quick in the winter meetings with a couple early signings, but the week was mostly rumors, reports about reports, and waiting. The waiting is definitely the hardest part. This week I talk about the waiting, why we're all waiting, and how I read the tea leaves on this tense off season. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here. We. Go. How are you feeling about the Cubs offseason? I've been a bit of a mess. There have been times I've felt really good. I, I like the Cody Bellinger signing. I like Jamison Tyone. I like that they were targeting shortstops, and there was a lot of talk about the Cubs being aggressive. Then there are, inevitably, pause periods. And pause periods can be a little annoying. You know, Everybody wants the NBA, NFL-style free agency where – all the big stars move teams in about 48 hours, and then it's pretty much done. That's not how baseball works. It's not how baseball's ever worked, really. So you get a flurry of deals. You got AJ Preller coming in off the top rope in San Diego, giving Xander Bogarts 11 years, seemingly out of nowhere. Um, you got the Mets spending like crazy. Their payroll is currently up over $300 million for 2023. And with the luxury tax penalties and all that they're going to pay, they're north of $400 million right now and still talking about Carlos Correa. So it's been weird as a Cubs fan to look at that, and it's easy to get a little pissed off. What are they doing? Why aren't they spending this money? Um, we'll get more into some of that later, but the lack of news doesn't help. You know, Jed tends to operate in secret. That's how he rolls. That's fine. That's a perfectly fine way to operate. But it means we, we have to read the tea leaves. We have to listen to rumors. We have to piece different things together. And mostly we wait. And waiting on social media that don't really go so well together. So I've been up and down this week. But if you really step back, you know, this team had to make improvements. And during the season, you can only do so much. During the season, you can work on trying to make trades. But again, Teams that are contending and pushing for the World Series, they want to add Major League talent, not subtract anything typically. So it becomes more of like a Major League talent for prospects kind of thing. Obviously, we've seen that trading Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Javier Baez and the bullpen guys, all that this year. But the in the offseason, things really start to open up. You get every team is potentially open to trades. There are free agents available that you can pick up just for money. Um, and certainly we've seen teams be aggressive. We saw Philadelphia go 11 years, $300 million on Trey Turner. We saw the Mets go in big, get Justin Verlander. Padres have been signing seemingly everybody. Um, but when you really step back, what did the Cubs need? They needed center fielder. They needed impact bats. They needed potentially a, a 
somebody to play first base in the event that Matt Mervis doesn't quite make it up this year or somebody to platoon with him. They need another starting pitcher. And they've started making moves to get some of those guys. Cody Bellinger may not hit like he used to with the Dodgers back in like his MVP season, but he plays a great center field defense, and that's a place where the Cubs were sorely lacking in 2022. Last year, Cubs center fielders were literally 30th in baseball with negative 19 defensive runs saved, and they were 29th in defensive war per fan graphs at negative 7.7. So Cody Bellinger is a big addition there, and the Cubs have a pitching staff that relies on contact, that pitches to contact. So having that defender in center field is going to make the team better. Um, He also has more upside at the plate than most of the other options the Cubs could have picked up. I know some people were high on maybe the Cubs going after Brandon Nimmo. I never really saw it um, with the Cubs outfield prospects the way they are, with Ian Happ potentially discussing a contract extension in left field and say a Suzuki locked up in right. I'm not sure that a longer-term center fielder made it ton of sense at this point so i love the bellinger pickup i think there's potential for his bat i I wouldn't have i would not go in with big expectations expect that he's going to be substandard with the bat he'll give you some lefty power and he's going to go play a lot of defense in center field Um, that makes the cubs better but that does mean they still need impact bats so the next place people look is you look at shortstop because that's where the highest concentration of big bats were so you have carlos correa and xander bogarts were probably clearly the top two in terms of projectable offensive talent. Um, Trey Turner is a speed guy, good defense right up there with those three. And then kind of a step back is Dansby Swanson, who is still an excellent baseball player. He is an elite defensive shortstop. He had a really good year last year. The strikeouts are a little bit high, but the Cubs have shown they can work with guys and cut strikeouts down. So any of those shortstops make the team better and they make the team better because you get that player. They also make the team better because that slots most likely Nico Horner over to second base where the Cubs, that was the other Cubs biggest defensive hole second base last year. The Cubs had negative four defensive runs saved and negative 3.6 fan graphs, defensive war. So you move Nico over there. Suddenly now that's a defensive plus position. Shortstop is a good defensive position and you're strong in center field. So now you're strong up the middle with a contact heavy starting rotation that's a big step, but they still need offense. And one guy the Cubs have been looking at rumored to go after was Jose Abreu. Um, Cubs were looking at him probably for a one or two year deal. Turned out he got three from the Astros and it's a little quaint at this point. I remember seeing that contract and being really surprised that he got the third year. But then we see just deal after deal after deal, putting up bigger salary numbers and bigger years than people expected. Trey Turner got 11 years. He was not projected for that up front. Xander Bogart's got 11 years. That kind of came out of nowhere. Xander was a guy that was projected to maybe sign five, six, seven years. And Padres come in and, and drop 11 at the very last minute, kind of out of nowhere. So the Cubs are having to look at this and, you know, they, they've got the needs. And when you step back, they're not really in that worse of a position than they were before the winter meetings. They picked up a starting pitcher. They picked up Jamison Tyone. They got Cody Bellinger for center field. So they filled a couple of those holes. They're working on other moves. And Carlos Correa and Dansby Swanson are still out there. So why do we all feel the way we feel? Well, because we want things to happen so badly. We want that John Lester signing. We want that big splash that shows the Cubs are back. The rebuild is coming to a close. 
whatever it is you want to call it, retool, rebuild, reload. Um, it was a pretty steep turn for a couple of years. They won the division in the shortened 2020 season, trade off the bulk of the old core from the championship team last year, finished the job this year, mostly with Wilson Contreras moving on to St. Louis, which is kind of its own problem. But the fans want this. The fans are just just begging for excitement. You know, we, we love Nico Horner, love Ian Happ. Let's get another star. Let's get Carlos Correa. Let's get Dansby Swanson. Personally, I would rather they go get Correa, but right now it's looking like it's going to be a 10 to 12 year contract, probably north of $300 million. Um, I think the Cubs absolutely have that money to spend and can spend it. Um, we'll see if Jed pulls the trigger. I think there are reasons to be optimistic there. So that takes me into the second thing I want to talk about is how, how can a fan read this off season? Nobody's talking about what their moves are going to be, you know, Nobody was talking about San Diego and Xander Bogarts until all of a sudden Preller came in and, and just threw up the numbers in the years and got the deal done. So what you have to do is kind of look at all the reports out there. The Cubs writers and bloggers and podcasters are doing a really great job trying to assemble and get information out there. And if you read between the lines, read what everybody's saying, pay attention to who tends to have better sources and all that you can start to piece things together. But one thing you have to remember is when the quotes do come out, when there is something from a source within an organization or there is a report out there that's often an unnamed source, it might be coming from the player side. It might be somebody in the agent's office or the agent themselves putting something out there. It might be a team dropping something. That might be an actual clue to what's going on. It also might be something to you know throw somebody else off the off the track or to an agent might throw out hey i'm getting a lot of interest here from the mets and the dodgers and the yankees to kind of try to you know spur activity and, and maybe get those prices raised up a little bit so you have to remember everyone has an angle on these it's not complete information um jed hoyer is not going to come out and talk to any of the cubs beat writers and say Here's what we're willing to go to for Carlos Correa. He, and he shouldn't. I mean, that that's not how business works. So we have to read between the lines. So one thing I see a lot is, will the Cubs spend? I think the answer to that is yes. The Cubs have spent. They were above the luxury tax in 2018, 2019. They had a slowly building payroll from 2014 through 2020. And... They did, I think ownership did push back after the 2019 season. You know, Theo was quoted as saying the offense was broken. They missed the playoffs. They had been trading off what was left of the farm system at that point for pitching and having to sign, be really aggressive in free agent pitching, which is always really expensive. In 2019, they picked up a $20 million option. They probably would have rather not it for Cole Hamels because they needed his arm. So they, they did reset. And to that point, Jed has done a good job of taking that old core and getting talent in return. He's restocked the farm system quickly. The Cubs system looks to be in pretty much everybody's top 10. I think I've seen him in a couple of top fives um, in terms of farm system ranking. So that's now a strength. So now it's time to start building back the major league roster. They've got some pieces. Obviously, we've talked about that a lot. But will they spend? Will they go get that big star player? And if you pay attention, I, th I, th I think the answer is yes. Um, now, will they go 10 years on that player? I don't know. But 
Tom Ricketts has come out multiple times over the last two, three months talking about how there is money to be spent. Jed has all the budget he needs, all those kinds of things. And Tom has spent in the past, so I don't see any reason why they wouldn't spend again. This week, Crane Kenny came out. Um, that's kind of new and different, but he came out and said that Jed did not spend all the money he had allocated last year because there were just not deals he liked and reiterated that there is money to be spent this year. So the idea that ownership is stopping the Jed Hoyer from spending is just, you know, I, I don't think that's true at all. Um, I don't think it's true. I don't, I don't think they would outwardly come out and lie about it. There's no reason to. There's another clue out there that gives some credence too. So Scott Boris in his Scott Boris way came out last week during the winter meetings and, and made a comment about Tom Ricketts saying the Tom Tom drum is finally beating again. And he always speaks in weird, crazy analogies, but it means Scott Boris is saying that Tom Ricketts is back to spending. And Scott Boris is certainly not famous for giving owners cover when they don't deserve it. So that tells me that's how I'll walk through here. That's why I think the Cubs have a big offer on the table to Carlos Correa. Is it big enough or long enough? I don't know. We'll find that out in time. But how would Scott Boris know that the Cubs are going to spend? Well, he represents Sandra Bogarts and Carlos Correa, among other guys. And there were reports out that the Cubs were interested in Bogarts, but then it came out sort of later that the Cubs were maybe only kicking the tires on Xander Bogarts. So, if the Cubs did make an offer and there were reports that the Cubs made a lot of offers to a lot of guys last week, that kind of tells me that the Cubs put a big offer out there for Carlos Correa. So Scott Boris has seen a number on paper that tells him the Cubs are back to spending. I think you can take all those reports, put them together and come to a pretty good feeling. The Cubs made a big offer on Carlos Correa. Now the market has gone in crazy directions and you know, no sign. The signing is not done, so it may, maybe it will prove not to be big enough or long enough. But I think it, we can feel good about there being an offer there. So why, why the delay now? So everything was happening super fast there for a bit at the winter meetings. Well, everybody went home. They have other things going on. I heard Dansby Swanson got married this weekend, so congratulations, Dansby. Um, so you get back to life, that kind of naturally slows things down, and you're no longer in a place where all the owners, GMs, agents, and some players are like all in the same hotel. So it just doesn't work as fast. There was also a report this week that the San Francisco Giants, who were rumored to be very interested in Carlos Correa after missing out on Aaron Judge, were have, have not made an offer yet on Carlos Correa. So... Scott Boris is who he is because he's really good at his job. He gets players paid. And you don't get players paid by taking the first big offer that comes through unless that big offer is like the offer that the Padres threw at Xander Bogarts. That was way above projections in terms of years and money. And it was probably pretty unlikely that anybody else was going to match that as long as Carlos Correa was still on the table. So take that deal for Bogarts, get him paid, get him happy in San Diego, and then sit back. So Scott Boris is going to wait until he knows who is fully interested. The Giants will get in or out. The Twins will be in or out. I think the Cubs are already in. And there are rumors now that the Yankees and Mets might be in. The Dodgers have said they're not. We'll see if that holds. They're they're a little concerned about the fan base reaction to signing Carlos Correa after the Astros cheating scandal when they beat the Dodgers in the World Series. So that makes sense. 
So Boris is going to wait. He will see who's truly in once he knows the range of teams that are in. You know, he'll start working with the front offices and pit the offers against each other and start to get to where the deal has to be. And then he and Carlos will pick out who the leader or the leaders are and negotiate that final deal. So it takes time and it's annoying, but it is what it is. I mean, this, this is the one time, especially for these guys, you know, you're an elite young player, whether you get drafted out of high school, whether you get drafted out of, out of another country, whether you get drafted out of college and the team that drafts you controls your baseball career basically for six, seven years. So you don't get to pick where to play. You can work your way up through the system, all that. Some guys get released and whatever, then they can be free agents and pick their spot. But if you're a star player, you don't get to pick where you go until you hit free agency. And if you're somebody who can sign for that big contract, that big six, seven, eight, ten, or longer contract, you know, that's a lot of years. That's going to be the bulk of your baseball career left. So you get kind of that one shot to pick your spot and get the money that's going to set you up for the rest of your life and probably set up your kids for the rest of theirs too. So, you know, these things take time. It is what it is. I mean, I have a job that is not nearly as interesting or exciting as professional baseball player. I like it very much, but I can quit my job and I can go work for another company and I can leave that company and go somewhere else. And I can move from Charlotte, North Carolina and go to Chicago and then decide I want to go to San Diego I can do all that whenever I want. Baseball players can't. So this is their one big shot. So the player picks the team. That's what it comes down to. I think we saw that with Kodai Senga yesterday. The Cubs have been rumored to be in on him for a while. And early projections had him maybe in that five years, 75 to $85 million range. But then the way contracts were going, I assumed that was going up. I was assuming he might get six, seven years, might go north of $100 million dollars. And then he just suddenly signed with the Mets for 575 yesterday. Well, <laughs> there was a lot of outrage on Twitter because, well, why why didn't the Cubs go get him for that amount of money? And I think I think that situation is just obvious. He wanted to go play for the Mets because even if I set my Cubdom aside and even set the Cubs aside in this market, there's no way that the Mets made that offer. Kodai Sanga's agent then goes out to the rest of the baseball teams that had expressed interest in him. And the rest of baseball said, nah, we're good. No, somebody somebody would have beat that deal, and Mets probably would have still come over the top. But um, I think that's a clearly a situation where he wanted to be a Met. And so that happened. So, you know, we, we look at these things, and players make their picks for whatever reason they make their picks. Some guys will go to literally whichever team gives them that one more dollar. Other, Most commonly, they'll narrow it down to a group of teams that they're interested in. And then, you know, within that, whoever puts the best package together, but some guys want years of security. Some guys just care about the total cash package. Some guys have some pride in average annual value. They want to be the highest paid player. So there are a lot of different ways you can get these guys and they all pick for different reasons. So I think the Cubs will spend. Uh, I think the guys are still out there for the Cubs to improve. I mean, if the Cubs go sign Carlos Correa right after this podcast airs, making me look stupid, um, they're a better team and they're still on track for their planned off season. Forgetting all the sort of drama of watching this stuff unfold hour by hour, day by day. If you had 
said in first week of November, Cubs go out, they get Cody Bellinger, Jameson Tyone, Carlos Correa as their first three signings. Yeah, that's what we all wanted to see. So we'll see. I know there's a lot of pessimism right now about whether or not the Cubs will get Correa. And, you know, there is something to be said for star power on a team, too. Like, I think Kodai Senga wants to play on a winner. Shohei Otani has said that, you know, he's he's going to get paid. He's going to get half a billion dollars from somebody next year when he hits free agency. But he has said winning is important. So it may be that the Cubs are not attractive enough right now. I, I think they showed a lot this offseason. They're late in the season. I think they showed that they're up and coming. I think they showed they have a lot of additional potential. And bringing a guy like Carlos Correa in certainly helps them get there faster. But I think the biggest thing with that star power is you want that star power on the team because stars attract other stars. We're seeing it in New York. We're seeing it in San Diego. We're seeing it in Philadelphia. It's exciting to watch. So what do we do now? Well, now we pretty much wait. You know, this stuff has to play itself out. So the Cubs are clearly working on Correa. There are still plenty of reports out there that the Cubs are seriously engaged for Correa. I think Scott Boris has to see who all is still in play, and that will work itself out. Dansby Swanson, I mentioned there were reports that he got married this weekend, so obviously you know he's not focused on the deal right now. Um, but I think he waits anyway. It makes sense for him to wait until Carlos Correa is gone because everybody saw four big shortstops left, and or four big shortstops available, and he'd be the last one left. So anybody who missed out on the first three is maybe getting a little desperate maybe throws a bigger number at Dansby than was expected in the beginning. So I think that's how that'll play out. I think the Cubs, the Cubs are talking about potentially trading for Sean Murphy. Um, He would be probably a pretty costly package. He's a really good catcher, gold glove level catcher with the A's. They're looking to shed some payroll and bring in some cheaper players. It's been rumored that they are looking for major league talent. So it might take a, maybe a Christopher Morrell, Keegan Thompson plus a prospect kind of trade to get Sean Murphy, maybe a third guy in there. Maybe Nick Madrigal goes in that trade. Um, Sean Murphy's really attractive. He's a you know gold glove caliber catcher. He's young. He's got three years of team control left. This year is his first arbitration year, so he's projected to make about $3 million. Two more arb seasons after that, and then he'd be a free agent. So if the Cubs did trade for him, he might be a guy that maybe they look at taking that brave strategy and – you know, give him a five, six year contract extension to pay off his arbitration years. And then, you know, first couple of years of free agency, um, he would make the Cubs better. There's also um, Christian Vasquez, formerly of the Red Sox, got traded to the Astros for the World Series for the playoff run. Um, if the Cubs sign a free agent catcher, he's probably the guy they sign. So there's a lot going on. I think some of these moves will start to happen, but I, I think the big thing is right now everything's kind of hung up on uh, Correa. Where's he going to go? Is he going to go go to the Mets and join Francisco Lindor? Is he going to go to San Francisco? Will he come to Chicago? A lot of options, and that's kind of the one big move that's kind of hanging out there. Um, I've said it all along. There are paths for Jed to make this a good baseball team that don't involve signing one of those free agents. But it gets harder. Those are the biggest bats on the market. Those give you the biggest bang for the buck. You're not necessarily moving, you know, Nico over to second base. So Nico is a good shortstop. Nico is an above average shortstop. And with some more improvement, 
you know, he's still young and developing, so he may turn himself into one of those elite shortstops. Um, that's all there for him. He's already elite defensively. But you don't bring in one of those guys, then you're not moving him over to second base. So now at second base, you're looking at, can Nick Madrigal stay healthy? Maybe you go look at a Gene Segura type to play second base. Um, the options get more complicated. So you can look at third baseman. Justin Turner's out there. He might be interesting on a deal. Brandon Drury is available. Probably won't be crazy expensive. Um, he's probably worth kicking the tires on. Trey Mancini is someone rumored to that the Cubs are interested in at first base. So there are a lot of options, and there are probably a lot of trades that we haven't even heard about. I mean, there have been talk about trading, the Marlins trading young pitching, which they have a lot of, so that might be an option to go get another arm. Could trade for Murphy. There may be some young bats that are available in trade. You know, There have been some discussions of possibly the Arizona Diamondbacks trading from their stash of young outfielders. So a lot can happen, but without getting that big bat at shortstop, it all gets a lot harder. They're just, there aren't other players of that caliber out there. Um, certainly not in free agency. And then you start trying to trade for players of that caliber. Prices get steep in a hurry. Um, looking at probably trading off some of the big prospects. I, I think that would have been easier to pull off before Brennan Davis had his kind of recurrence of the back problems in Arizona fall league. And then Alexander Canario, you know, breaking that ankle and, and separating that shoulder. I think Canario is a guy that probably would have been part of a major trade. But we'll see. There are options. There is time left. Sit back. I always say it. Take a breath. I had to make myself do that this week. I was I was all wound up. I was excited after the winter meetings. And then I think it was uh, Tuesday night. Things just seemed like you know nothing's happening. At that point, that was before the reports came out that the Giants hadn't offered. I assumed that you know Boris had the offers from the Giants and the Cubs. And I was like, what's... What's taken so long, I sort of went negative too, and I've come back around. Um, I don't know if the Cubs are going to get Correa. I still think there's a pretty good chance they do. I do think they'll get Dansby Swanson if they don't get Correa. But, you know, anything is possible. You know, some team may come flying in at the last minute with some absolutely stupid offer. And to talk about those offers for a minute, so when you look at those long contracts, long contracts are riskier. Um, I'm a little tired of hearing the Jason Hayward comparison. Jason Hayward is almost literally a worst-case scenario on a contract like that. I mean, when you project a guy out over the course of eight years, you're getting into years where that guy will be an older player and the skills start to fade. So you have to bake some of that in. Um, short of having you know some catastrophic injury or even an injury that becomes chronic, um, Hayward has had some injuries, but he hasn't had anything like that. Like he wasn't in a horrific car accident the first year and missed two seasons or, you know, he didn't develop a bad back that just kept firing up on him. He really is just about the worst case, just baseball outcome. I mean, it's, it's gotta be a bottom fifth, 10th percentile outcome on that deal. And those just don't happen that often. You know, a guy may not hit the 90th percentile, potential outcome of his deal. But look at John Lester. Like everybody will tell you that was a great signing because John Lester was very good in the beginning. He was an older pitcher by the end, but that's, that's baked in. We knew he was going to be that, but he definitely set that tone. He was the one that helped draw in all the other star talent that came in after. And he was the Cubs ace for arguably probably three years. So 
you look at those. And so when I look at a 10 year deal, I'll use 10 cause it's a round number, but the same kind of principle applies if it's 12. Um, I would expect getting a guy like Carlos Correa who's 28 years old in the prime of his career. What I'm looking for out of that contract is I'm looking for four to five years more of him in his prime as a star. So four to five years of star level production, obviously there can be injuries and things like that, but that's, I would anticipate and I'm hoping for four to five years of star power. Then the star power starts to fade. But I think typically that player would still be an above average producer through year seven or eight. So there probably is a year or two on the back end where they're maybe just an average player, maybe even worse than that. But if you get that four to five years of star power, you get that seven years of above average production, that deal is paid for itself. Especially because when you look at the money with the competitive balance tax threshold going up every year with the inflation in life and in baseball salaries, that contract is going to become cheaper over time, even at the same money. So I'll use $30 million. That's kind of an anticipated AAV for average annual value for Correa. In 2016, $30 million was the third highest paid player in baseball. Last year, $30 million was the 16th highest paid player in baseball. So that's going to come down. I'm, I'm going to guess if the Cubs were to give Correa, say, 12 years, $360 million, yeah, they'd be paying him through 2035. And by 2035, $30 million is not going to be in the top 100 salaries in baseball. So he is going to be a higher level contract when you expect him to provide you higher level ability or higher level production. As that contract ages, as his skills go down, his money becomes less and less important, and it becomes a smaller and smaller portion of the luxury tax threshold. So the Cubs absolutely can afford those deals. They should they should go for those deals. They shouldn't probably carry six of them at the same time. Um, I mean, the Mets are... I hope for Mets fans' sake that they win, because it's going to get ugly fast if they spend all this money, bring all those guys in, and still don't get the job done. But Steve Cohen is definitely taking an aggressive approach. We'll see what the Cubs do. And this might tell us something about next year, too. Like I said, Shohei Otani wants to be on a winner. If the Cubs bring in Carlos Correa and make the playoffs somehow, whether they beat out the Cardinals for the division or get in into a wild card, you see the, the young talent coming up in the Cubs system. You see Carlos Correa. You see Nico Horner. Maybe the Cubs extend Ian Happ. You've got Seiya Suzuki. Shohei may see that more as a place where he wants to be. And by if the Cubs sign Correa, that will probably show that they are willing to put that big contract out there. Jed prefers not to, and I get it. Most of the time, that's the right strategy. I don't want to go eight years on it, everybody. But there is a level of player that requires that level of contract. And if you are not willing to play in that space, you are just not going to have that level of player unless they come up through your system where you trade for them while they're young. And then you're only going to have them for a finite period of time because at some point they're going to use up their arbitration years, go for free agency, and you're just not going to sign that. So I think it's – I'm going to save the criticism for later. Um, if the Cubs don't get any of these guys, if Jed Hoyer comes out and says, you know, those years are too long, we're not going to do it, I want to see what this final roster composition looks like. Um, there will be plenty of time to be mad if there is reason to be mad. And I will certainly criticize. I know I probably come off as a bit of a homer, but 
Um, I think it's there for Jed. I like a lot of the moves he's done. So we'll see. But I, I think there's reason to believe that he has a big offer on the table for Correa. And once you're in on that, you know, Carlos Correa is going to be close to a record-setting contract. So there's no way Boris is going to leave no stone unturned. So the, the Cubs are now in the discussion. If the Giants come in, I don't know where the Cubs are. Let's say they're at, uh, let's say they went high AAV and went something like eight years, $320 million. Um, Giants come in with 12360 The Cubs are going to get an opportunity to up their offer and, and do more. So at this point, I don't think they're going to be just forgotten about or skipped over. I mean, they are going to be part of the discussion unless Correa just doesn't want to go to the Cubs. But I think I think that I think he has interest. I think if he didn't want to go to the Cubs, this all would have dried up long before now. And the Cubs would have moved on to other prospects. So let's see what happens. That's the next big one. Hopefully something will happen with that this week. Um, I think I do think the shortstops will sign before the holidays. Um, typically the biggest stars do sign before. And I, I think a few more days to find out who's really in and then get those negotiations done. And then Dansby's contract will follow after. Um, I would expect there to be some news this week, maybe early next, early the next week, but hopefully there's news. Give us more to talk about. Let us at least have a clear idea of what path we're taking this off season. Cause I think the aggressive expensive path through free agency is all still here. They've already signed Tyone. They've already signed Bellinger. If they get Correa or they get Swanson, like that was always part of the plan. And then we see what else they do. Do they get a Chris Bassett? Do they bring Drew Smiley back? Or do they go after any other big pitchers? Do they get Trey Mancini? There are a lot of options here. So we'll see where it goes. But I would just take a breath. It's hard. I've had to bite my tongue. And I don't think I've deleted any tweets this week, but I probably had a couple that you know maybe I wish I hadn't sent. Um, that's where we all are. It's natural. Just see what happens, though. Everything is going to hinge on what happens with Carlos Correa. So hopefully there will be some news this week. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. If you liked what you heard, or if you didn't, please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever it is you find your podcasts. Just a few seconds will help me get better and help others find the show. If you've done that, Thank you so much. Maybe you can share an episode with a friend. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram to continue the conversation at Cubs PS Plus. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs baseball or talking about Cubs baseball is a great day. Go Cubs!